Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blackjack Pack. It's Ryan, the Rated R. You know what it is. And we are here with some amazing guests today. We've got Paris. We've got Playmaker. And we've got the iconic Mr. Farley Flex himself in the building. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. Uh, we're going to start with you, our esteemed guest, Farley Flex. How are you today? How's everything going? Fantastic, man. Each day, fantastic every day. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Playmaker, how about you? How are you doing today? Is everything good with you? Oh, everything's great. You know, we keep uh, we keep moving forward. We keep doing better. You know, Black History Month for us is we're Black History every day. Mm -hmm. It is definitely. Playmaker, is, is that is that a shower curtain behind you, or what am I seeing there? No, this this is the curtain to my to my bedroom. Uh, unfortunately. Um, Due to just moving around things, we have to move my desk upstairs. So the lighting is 100% uh, great. But these aren't shower curtains. Believe me, you guys are not You guys are not with me in the bathroom. I, I wouldn't do that to you. Those two, maybe, but not, not to you, Mr. Flex. Yeah, you can't. Don't worry. Zoom doesn't have a smell, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother Paris, how are you doing today? Yeah, man, I'm good, man. I mean, everything's uh, really, really fine, really, really good. I mean, I can't even, I can't even, I'm just really happy that we get to do this, get be here in the presence. The is, that is that product placement in the background? You're sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd put up a little background uh, that's a little unique. What, what's the brand, though? Uh, Hublot. Oh, oh, Hublot. Okay, uh, okay the light, it's, it's, it's folded right at the letter. I thought that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get jumping, we're gonna get started on this amazing show, but before we do, in honor of Black History Month, we talk about one uh, person every episode to remind you guys that Black History isn't just uh, one day, it's not just 28 days, but it is every single day. And today, we got a Canadian hero, it's Mr. Lincoln Alexander, a lawyer, member of parliament. He was the first person of color to actually be a part of parliament, um, and he reached so many different lives uh, during his time in politics. So big shout out to you, Mr. Lincoln Alexander, for being a part of not just Black history, but Canadian history every single day. Rest his soul. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Mr. Alexander. So let's get started. Today, our episode is called Being Black. And in honor of Black History Month, we've got to talk about it. What does it mean for everybody here to be black in Canada. It, it, it's a lot. It's very different than what most people uh, tend to expect over there in the United States or in other countries. Um, but we'll begin with you, uh, Farley. What does it mean to you being black? What was it like for you growing up black in Canada? Well, first of all, for the record, Parsh told me the entire month was about me, but I'll, 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 I'll adapt. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll adapt to the uh, circumstances. <laughs> you might have to compete with me for that. Because, I, yo, let, hey. I don't know, I, man. I, I think he wins by a landslide, you know what I mean? <laughs> but listen. I'm, I'm Team Farley. <laughs> listen, you know what? Uh, ma Magic, Magic lost to Jordan. So it is what it is. Magic <laughs> lost to Jordan. <laughs> exactly. And what happened before Jordan? <laughs> Magic balled out. I I'm not I'm not saying that you know you did you're you're not you're not up there. I'm just saying Jordan did be Magic. When though? 
Oh yeah. Uh, after stage, after Kareem <laughs> left, at what stage of Magic's career? <laughs> Near the end. <laughs> Near the end. Okay. Near the end. But also, I will give this to because I love Magic. He's my like for me the fourth greatest player of all time. Literally, he didn't have his secret weapon, which was Kareem. When he like, when he when he went against Jordan, so it's not as fair. Even Divac. Even when Kareem got injured and Magic decided to play center and still win the championship, is that what, is that the time you're referring to? <laughs> well, that was one game. That was one. That was one one, game in one, one series. In 1980, that was game six. It wasn't just one game, though. No, no, no. But, but that was one game. That wasn't the whole series. Because it, it, no, it wasn't the whole series. It wasn't the whole five, series. Ankle. Look, it may not be the whole series, it was but only it's game when six. it counted. It was when it counted. Absolutely. No, no. But but that's what I'm saying. It's, di- it's different. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is still the highest, like the, the person who scored the most points in NBA history. To not have the skyhook when you are the ultimate point guard does mean something. That's that's literally of course and, and that's that but that's the like the Jordan thing. That's like the Jordan Pippen argument, right? A lot of people say Jordan Jordan wouldn't be Jordan without Pippen. We hear that all the time. Oh, facts. I would say Jordan would win, would have won maybe two, not six, maybe two. Mm. Remember, I feel like Pippen I, is not I Pippen like without Jordan either. Utah. Huh? Pippen isn't Pippen without Jordan either. Yeah, he's not great. He's not great enough. For that I mean, yeah, he's he's great. He's, Pippen's not great enough for that statement to be made, though. Well, here's no. the thing, right? A team, it is a, it is a team sport. Jordan was doing his thing on his own through, like, you know, when you talk about '88 and '89 and what he was able to do and accomplish, you know. So when you when you take it in that, in order for them to be assembled, first of all, they had to get Rodman in order to start beating teams, and then. They had to go get sharpshooters and things like that. As a team dynamic, once they built that, there was no stopping the greatness of Jordan and what he was able to do in inspiring. That's why I say that's why I say Jordan. Jordan is the best at the peaks. Like if you've got a great good to great team around them, you will win a championship. No question. But like, can he bring a bad team deep? No. Like, and I said, and I love Jordan. But like that is like that's why I say the LeBron argument helps exactly. LeBron. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like LeBron, those there are teams that LeBron brought to the finals where listen, let's be honest. <laughs> you and a couple of guys in the neighborhood, we could put up some points against them, minus LeBron. Like that 2017, Eric Snow scored eleven points per game. I'm sorry. That can't be your second leading score score on a championship team. I agree. My, my goodness. Again. Anyway, let's, get back, I, let's, let's get back to the topic because uh, time time is money. Time is especially money. Um, but yeah, um, Farley, you were saying about being Black in Canada during uh, growing up. How was it for you? Um, well, I, I think experiences are going to be based on what you're ready for in life. So I was made ready uh, by my parenting in terms of what I needed to accomplish as an individual and the, the resilience that that would afford me, no matter where I lived, I think would have proven um, positive and, and uh, allowed me to, you know, just retain a certain amount of, well, sustain really a certain amount of optimism 
in all of the things that I wanted to achieve. Um, I don't. Th I think obviously there's systemic and institutionalized racism, but it's it's how prepared are you for it? It's like COVID, right? Some people went into COVID and thrived, right? Um, and I like to think that myself and some of my colleagues are amongst those that have thrived through thrived through COVID. But I also know people who have gone in the other direction who were merely surviving um, and didn't necessarily, the things didn't align with them based on their readiness in order, in order to thrive through COVID. So it's the same thing with, um, on a broader scale, obviously with anti-Black racism, oppression, um, the transatlantic slave trade, colonization, all those things are barriers to fulfilling one's potential. But again, there's always exceptions to the rule. And if we follow the, if we follow the exceptions with a little more commitment and dedication mm -hmm. to the cause, we have more success stories despite um, despite the barriers. I think that's so, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I, I was just gonna say, like, so for me, just to close up on that topic or that thought. Um, yeah, I, I think that having a strong family, having um, role models close at hand, um, you know, invisible mentorship that's close at hand you know just people who are uh carrying on through life in ways that you can you can um replicate and um and you know michael lee chin always said that um you know find a mentor find out what they did where they are to get where they are and do exactly the same thing and then if you have that added sort of you know confidence and you nuance what other people did and do it better for you at least and potentially better for others and maybe the world I think that's absolutely positive. I, I completely agree with you um, on those points. It's I could say personally for myself, I grew up during the, the beginning of Black Lives Matter. I was maybe what, 12, 13, going into when Trayvon, everything that happened with Mike Brown and, and Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in this very weird environment where I also lived in the suburbs at that point in time. So it was like, I'm one of the very few black kids and this is affecting me. And it made me uh, understand the resilience that my parents taught me from a very young age. You, you know, there are things you're gonna see in this world that you're not gonna like, mm -hmm. but you have to be smart enough and resilient enough to get through these different types of challenges so that you can become a better person and that you can help the people around you at the same time. And I think. And that's so important in, in the black experience in Canada. Clay, would you like to say a few words on what it's like being black in Canada? What was it like growing up? I would, I would say this. I think, and I agree with both of your points. Um, but the thing I that I want to add that I think is super important is that having great friends that are also the same color as you <clears throat> helps a lot because it helps you to be aware of what is going around uh, going on around you and also not feel the weight of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Uh, I, and I'll sort of jump in ad hoc here, but um, that's one of the concerns that is a reality today is that, that the use of the word friend and, you know, obviously social media's uh, redefined that word in a, in a major, major way. So a lot of young people, have like acquaintances and I guess in some context followers and so on and so forth. But the, to be able to distinguish what an actual friend is, is critically important. 
And, and that, that's one of the things that I think that we need to really make sure our, the young people in the communities uh, that we, you know, that we care about understand is what's the difference between a friend and an acquaintance. In the music industry, the way I look at it is, uh, uh, you know, even from a social media standpoint, you have followers and then you have fans, right? Followers, window shop, fans buy. In life, acquaintances, mm. acquaintances hang, friends, friends in a positive way, bang. You mean they're with you, they're with you everywhere, um, in not just in physical presence, but in that sort of from a broad contextual standpoint, spiritual presence in terms of what your ideals are, your morals, your 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 code of ethics and things like that. So that when you um, you know, I always talk about when people meet someone that I'm close to and they say, Hey, you know a guy named Farley? And they don't even know whether the person knows me or not, but they see some similarities in their ideals and so forth. So that it's almost like a brand, this invisible brand, but it's a personality brand. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's an intellectual brand. It's a like I said, it's a spiritual brand. It's a it's a um, you know, it's a vibe basically mm. that people start to align and say, yeah, you know what? I want to introduce you to this cat named Farley. You guys, you guys would get along, right? And they find out that person's already my friend. You understand what I'm saying? And that, <laughs> right, right now, I think what happens is people find these lowest hanging fruit reasons for friendship, like you know, smoking together or drinking together or, you know, those kind of things. Those things don't make, I mean, friendships can come out of them, don't get me wrong, but they're not a reason for friendship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I, and that's a big concern for me. Like a lot of people, you know, generate a, a social circle based on um, not just good things, but often things that are not necessarily the healthiest for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is where I want to kind of jump in because um, as a as a you know young black person growing up in, in Canada, um, it, it's a it's it's very uh, in your face when it comes, to, especially when you grow up in the suburbs, that you are different, and and you know a lot of those stereotypes and things that uh, other cultures are taught to, uh, they start to um, abuse on you and to take advantage. And I think a lot of black people um, growing up, you know, need to learn when they're being taken advantage of. And to to pick up on that, that is uh, that I think is one of the most biggest things. As a chess player, you know, I knew that I was going to be a lot different from everybody. And, you know, studying what I'm studying was not going to be um, at all make sense to a lot of people, mainly because, again, my skin color. How do you even get into something like that? And number two, the fact that you are good at it, like it shows that, you know, maybe we should be a little more attentive on, on what they're educating themselves with as black people. So um, in a way it's not just about French, it's about who you're around, but it's also about your education and noticing, you know, the little things, the little um, body language and messages, because they're going to try to take advantage of you. And you, you got to be ready for that. I, 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 I don't disagree with you, but I do think that Malaika, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the syllables. All right. I love, it's a beautiful name. Um, I, I think what we need to do though is we got to recognize, and you know, our parents always tell us we have to work 10 times as hard as black people and things like that. But we also have to be careful how much of our time we spend on looking at what might be holding us back or what might be mm. uh, positioned against us and, and focus on, for every negative, there's a positive, right? So mm-hmm. I'll give you guys a great example, not, not, not fully addressing what Parse said, but you, you guys, probably, I don't know if you guys remember a game called British Bulldog. You remember that game? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, you know that game? Yeah. Okay. No? Okay. So British Bulldog is um, basically a game where 
Yeah, as kids, you all line up on this on the goal line on a soccer field or football field, whatever is available, and um, somebody's it. And it's almost like tag, except you, the person standing in the middle of the field and everybody else is standing on the, on the end goal line. And then they say, British, right? Everybody tries to run and get past that person to the other side, right? And obviously the people who are more agile or faster, whatever it is, would have would demonstrate their advantage, like, like the physical ability uh, as far as an advantage. And um, so I was one of the kids that used to come last in terms of getting caught a lot. I, was, I played a lot of sports. I was at speed, et cetera, et cetera. So I remember one time um, in, I think it was in seventh grade, um, I was running straight up the sidelines and a guy who was not, um, he, 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 I guess he was already caught or something, but anyways, he was off the field, but I was running. So obviously I wasn't paying attention to him, but as I was running by, he grabbed my, my arm, my left arm as it was behind me running and he was able to hold on to it. So he spun me around and threw me on the ground and it said, nigger, right? So I looked up at him from the ground and I said, jealous? And the reason I did that was because it wasn't about knowing the meaning of the term. It was about if, he, if I was coming consistently the last person caught and he felt some sort of victory from che literally cheating and, and grabbing, he wasn't even, like I said, he wasn't even part of the game, right? But he, he felt vindicated by catching the person who normally comes first or let me say first, first in terms of the last one caught, mm -hmm. right? Then he must, be, then he's, he's venting in that moment. He's venting about something that he's always tried to be and couldn't be it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I took the word he used, knowing it was a derogatory term, but not being overly concerned with that. But in the moment, I knew that his objective was to stop the best person. You see him? In his eyes. So my natural response is, not to fight up, get up and fight and say, you call me the N-word and this, that, and the other, was to, was to just make sure he knew what I knew. And I knew he was jealous that I was coming in first more than he, far more than he was. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So why waste my time on the negative when I could turn that negative into a positive and not wait? Because he doesn't have to waste that kind of energy as a white kid. Well, he, mm -hmm. he, so this is more to what Parsh was saying. We, we, we don't have the energy, Right to waste our time on addressing certain things, we have to just apply our energy in overcoming those things, to overcoming those things. You understand what I'm saying? So resilience resilience is tiring, right? But, but brilliance is inspiring. So if we, if, if we stay in resilience, resiliency mode for 450 years as we have, we've already proven our resilience, right? So we don't, now it's time to advance beyond resilience into the realm of brilliance, strictly. Right. So that starts with the parenting it starts with in this hemisphere, it starts with what they consider to be formal education. Right. Um, and clear distinction as well. You know, education is a must. School is an option. So education could happen inside or outside of school, depending on who you speak with. Mm -hmm. right? Nothing mm -hmm. that I do, nothing that I do for a living right now, technically, did I actually learn in school. Right. But I was educated. There's a difference. Well, this, this brings me to the next point here is that, um, you know, you're you're going through uh, the motions and it's that that change between how do you know, you know, finding your groove as a black person and being able to shine through that, regardless of the expectations that others have for you or the common, you know, commonality between what other black people are doing around you. How do you branch yourself out as a, as a you know, an individualism 
in that sense? Because that's something that you did and you partook in as a black person. And what were some of the struggles? Also, how did you overcome those struggles? And why did you make that choice in the first place? So, so, so the struggles for me, I, I never viewed anything through the lens of struggle. I, I viewed it through the lens of doing, right? Um, human beings are, the term human being is an action word, an action phrase, being. All the ing words are verbs. Walking, talking, singing, dancing, moving, right? So human being means we got to be active 24-7 or in our waking hours at least, right? So, so like from a consciousness standpoint. So we got to be always working to move forward. And the way to move forward is to have a destination, whether that destination be a 24-hour destination or a 24-year destination is irrelevant. The fact is you focus on always being further ahead than you were at the time when you reckon you identified that particular task. So for me, one of the pedagogies that we employ in the, some of the community work I do it's for a program called Real School is the fact that a bunch of things, you know, I guess you could say they're a confluence of different people's perspectives, but you have to look at, when we talk about Malcolm Gladwell, for instance, at 10,000 hours, right? You as a chess player put in an inordinate amount of time in chess than the average person Right. Even if average people who play chess, maybe you put in a, an inordinate amount of time and, you know, there's again, there's only 24 hours in a day. So there's something else you might have decided didn't have as much value. So you put that to the side and focused on your chess because of the passion for it, your ability to do it and then your choice to actually pursue it. Right. So if we don't have something to look forward to in life, um, we won't live as long right, as, as, as an individual or as a people. You have to have something to look forward to, right? And what, again, what colonization has tried to do is take away the things that we have or should be able to look forward to, like the, like the dominant caste has to look forward to, right? So, so I've never looked at things through the lens of struggle. I've looked, I'd rather look at it through the lens of um, how hard I, I, I want to say hard, even hard is not the right word, how the work I want to do and how well I want to do it. And then I can look back and say, people will look back and say, oh, that must have been hard. And I'll say, yeah, I guess it was, but that's, all I, that's not what I was thinking about. Like when we tried 12 years to get flow on the air, you look back retrospectively, that was probably hard. But at the end of the day, right, you do what you do and you, you achieve your task, right? You don't go back and say, wow, I got a radio station, first black radio station on the airwave. Boy, was that hard. Like that's not, that's <laughs> not, my, that's not my language. Right. My thing is what's next. Mm -hmm. So we always got to be moving forward. And this is what I encourage young people to, to, to get. If you're the same place you were three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 15 months ago. Right. Change your game because it, nothing's going to change for you. Right. You got to change your game. You can't do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That's defined as insanity. Right. And that's true of. Kobe, Michael, Joy, you, anybody you want to name who added elements to their game to make them better throughout their careers. They didn't, they're not the same player they were when they were rookies or sophomores, et cetera, et cetera, throughout, throughout their, their, um, their college or professional careers, right? Depending on if they went, you know? So you got you to work on being better all the time. I totally I know. agree with you. I got to cut you off because I got some, some personal things I got to thank uh, Farley for. Um, as a young kid, I, I used to go into my mom's car and it was a it was a the green car. That's what I call it. Anyways, at a nice old radio station. And 
there was like five channels that actually worked. And one of the few channels that worked was 93. It was flow, right? So first of all, I got to thank you for teaching me basically what was music. Um, other than what me was- and, Me and a bunch of people, but I appreciate that. Thank oh, you all for Fletch. that. And I'm going to say this because my, I'm too grown. My mom can't whip my ass. We used to, I used to listen on Friday nights, like around 12. You guys would have a mix. I, me and my friends used to wait for that mix. If we were out to a party or anything, we would wait for the mix to hit because we knew the fire started right there. Okay. Those are probably live to airs like Fridays and Saturdays. We had exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With so that's what we would, we would, we would wait all week for that. Like, I'm not even lying to you. If, and especially if there's a hot new song, you have the remix, especially during that time where like, Listen to Akon. Like, I think there's one Akon mix that you guys did that was insane. That, like, it literally started, in, like, people were sitting on the wall. Nobody's talking, especially when you're 14, 15. Started the party. To this cool. day, one of the best parties I've ever been to. That's good to know, man. But um, also, one thing that I would say that we pro like, we're not just listening to talk. We kind of, um, and I was just talking to, to a close a friend of mine. And just like the focus on the process and the focus on doing, doing what you need to do every day is something that ask Ryan, ask Paris, that's the way I, I move all the time. Good and I feel like people, like people have to do that. Like sometimes, and I was saying to my friend, my, all of my goals are like a year out, two years out, three years out. So like, you just got to focus on the everyday because if you focus on the destination, you're not going to want to do the work every day. Yeah, you have to be aware of the destination and the benefits it will bring to your life, but you have to focus on the journey and make sure that you're going in the right direction, yeah. you're stopping at the right stop signs. You know, when the speed limit increases, you can drive within it, you know, increase your speed, maneuver around a, a curve, where should those curves happen? And they always do, but they can be seen as negative, especially if you're aware of them. Like for me, the black race, um, we, you know, in the literal sense of the word, that race for equality, Right, has to include the understanding that this system in this hemisphere was not meant for us to succeed. So in other words, if you play, if you play soccer, for instance, and you play in Toronto and you've got a tournament in Denver at my, in the mile where the, the sea level is one mile up. So your breathing has to adjust to thinner air, et cetera, et cetera. You have to prepare for that. That's why teams go in, fly into Denver, or if you play in Mexico, places like that, where the, the ele elevation is higher, you have to get there ahead of time and acclimate to the situation. So you, so you, so when it comes time to be effective, you truly can be, right? And to go back uh, to- I mean, That's a good segue okay. towards what uh, Malika was doing, because in her, in her day, she's actually one of the uh, greatest, she's actually the, the the pro basketball player of the group to be honest she holds the the scoring record at her uh collegiate high school level so uh beautiful you know. I'll, 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 let me get to that in one second i'll finish one quick point um just to respond to part of what you asked in terms of the, the struggle and the overcoming of challenges and so forth um i think the sure. fundamental understanding that we all need to have is we need to know what our interests are be aware of our personality traits and have some some handle of the effectiveness of our skill sets, right? If you don't have those three elements, that those three elements are actually, I call they're called IPS, interests, personality traits, and skill sets, but they actually are your GPS in terms of that destination that Playmaker was talking about, right? So if you know your IPS, then that becomes your GPS. As we all know, your GPS is what navigates on your behalf 
to get you to the destination you intend to go to. So you don't, when it says turn left, you don't go straight. When it says go straight, keep in the middle lane, you don't exit, et cetera, et cetera. You have to have a plan. If you, and you, again, cliches for, for, till the cows come home, but if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Chess oh, is talk about thing. it. Chess is the same thing, right? When, you, mm -hmm. when you're playing chess, and I'm not a chess pro or player for that matter, but I do know that it's, it's something where you can't think strictly in the moment. You have to think ahead of yourself. So I, I'd love to hear from Malika though on, on, on what her thoughts are. Oh, wow. You guys just filled my mind with a lot of knowledge. And I have to agree with all, everything you guys are saying. And like just being a Black person, like especially in Canada, there's a lot of like, I feel like experience is the best teacher because like we see a lot of things, but like we don't really expect to experience or go through it, especially like as a woman myself, like I always felt like we are always labeled, like we're always being like stereotyped and and like you know we're always like honestly like it's just so much you know so like every day like for, for me I feel like every day is a new experience but like being black is something to be proud of and always realizing that I'm not gonna stay where I was and I'm always gonna keep pushing myself because also too it's not just about proving ourselves but like setting stone for uh, for the others that are behind us and also leading by example into the right direction to the right path so, I, I i agree and i i i, I wanna i i observe language and the power of words and obviously it's being proud to be black is something that we say because people try to take it away Mm -hmm. but we got to, first of all, just be proud to be. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And we add, we, we qualify that by, say, by adding the black part because we're over here. But, but if you're, if, are any of you continental African? I'm you on. are, right? I thought so. Where are you from? Congo. The Democratic Republic of the Congo. Big you, who is? You are? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, and well, they're both brothers, right? So, um, yeah. I'll, actually, I'll, yeah, both of them are brothers. And then I could tell they're brothers. Are, I was going to... I was gonna, I was gonna um, introduce that in a different way further down the, the thing, just to put playmaker in his place. But it's all good. But <laughs> 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 well, Maleko, you're from where? I'm Congolese as well. Oh, you're Congolese as well. Okay. <laughs> so, also you all and parlez-vous français or everybody? Oui, oui, oui. Okay. Okay. So, what I was gonna say is that the just being. Um, like when you were in, when you do, were you guys, did you live in Congo? Yeah, yeah I, we've gone to visit. Okay. Oh, you've gone to visit, but you've never, you weren't born, you weren't there living, like living your life. No, no, no. Okay. So if you talk, if you talk to somebody who is in continental Africa, and I've had the great, the blessing to have been to have, not Congo specifically, but to Africa about five, six times. I've been to Togo, Sierra Leone, SA, uh, uh, Kenya, Malawi, Ghana, and Sierra Leone. Right. And when you're there in and amongst your people, mm -hmm. I will guarantee you nobody walks around saying I'm proud to be black. Yeah. Because their doctor's black, their gardener's black. This the person who maybe help the their housekeeper's black, or or even if they're the housekeeper, the person they work for is black. The person who brings the groceries is black, et cetera, et cetera, or delivers who comes to fix the plumbing or the or the the how the window the broke, whatever. Everybody's black. So we only say those things over here as a matter of difference. 
right? So I'm wondering if that sort of stagnates us a little bit. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'd rather us do this, mm-hmm. break through, break, break through, as opposed to hitting our heads here all the time by reminding, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's an approach thing. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like you could have two cats go to the rim on the same breakaway and put the ball in differently, five, seven, eight, ten different ways, or maybe more, but you still get the two points. So I'm saying, uh, like, should we, shouldn't we, and, and I think part of the, if I were to categorize, I'd put the I'm proud to be black in the resilience category. Mm-hmm. But, but the brilliance category is something, like we have a program right now, as you guys may be aware of, called Say It Loud, and it it's promotes black pride and positive cultural identity, because in this hemisphere, right, there's a deficiency of black pride mm. in this hemisphere. Speak mm. on it, please. You know what I'm saying? And there's a, diffic- a, a, a deficiency of cultural identity as well, mm-hmm. right? Where black youth are walking around not knowing who they truly are. Like, you know, you know, you guys as, as descendants of Congolese, like first, first generation descendants of Congolese parentage, right? You have, you have a certain hold on your cultural identity that me as a Trinidadian who is indirectly, 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 indirectly African, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and every time it's indirect or redirected, which is what colonization was, colonization is a major redirection, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the transatlantic slave trade is a major redirection. These are things that took me off the path of my potential as an African man. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When we talk about that GPS. So man, we, we really get some education today, man. This, this is, this is no, everybody who's going to be listening to yeah, this. And I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily, um, dominate the conversation but i want to make sure we're sharing the the stuff that may especially based on the i'm assuming the demographic of your audience or yeah and, well you know knowing's half the battle and, and knowledge is power so no, no, but flex, let me say something uh, one you're more one comment. of us Sit. you're one of us and you, you i'm one of you like that's how i act that's like, how it should be as part when i'm with jamaicans I act to them exactly the way I would call these people, Absolutely. Call people from Africa. You're black. You were yeah, brothers. No, that I'm aware of. That I'm aware of. But, but I'm saying, like I said, if you look at it, you guys are first generation Congolese. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're both in Canada right now. Yeah. You mm. know what I'm saying? So we are the same where we get that, but our journeys were different. Mm. And, that's what, mm. and that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Right. So, so the other, the other piece, the important piece of that is that, while the Congo, like uh, DRC, still pays um, France fifty billion dollars in colonial taxes, fifty billion with a B, right? Mm-hmm. So colonize it's not like colonization do, did not does not or did not exist, but the fact is, the, like you, somebody said, define friendship as of having people that look like you, uh, you know, who you can align with in in your circle, so you can have that barometer of of oneness, et cetera, et cetera. And that's absolutely right. But you know, I can tell you guys, um, my first, the first year in school that I had another black person in my class was grade eleven. Think wow. about that. So I was the only black kid in my class from kindergarten right to grade eleven, and and. and Grade 11 is when um, I, tra- I switched from high sc- one high school to another. And I ended up, because I was living in Malvern, right? In the latter mm-hmm. years. Of- mm-hmm. Block. Uh, in, in the latter years of, of high school, I lived in Malvern with my family. But, but prior to that, you know, like I said, I was the only black kid in my class. Um, even in grade seven and eight at, at St. Barnabas, which is also in Malvern, but that's mm-hmm. we, were the, we were like the third black family in Malvern back then. 
right? Oh my. It, literally. So my class, I had one South Asian girl. I remember her name was Glynis Fernandez. Um, she was from Pakistan and uh, she was the only alignment to, to pigment in, in my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up. And, and so, so anyway, my point is that um, we, we're all aware of, I mean, those of us who are, are aware of it and, and we, we got to make sure the black pride thing is imparted on those who are deficient of it. But those of us who are efficient of it and, and proficient of it got to say, okay, now we've got the black pride thing down. We are aware who we are, what our contribution is to this planet, et cetera. What are we going to do with it? Goes back to the human being. What are we doing with our brilliance? What are we doing with our potential? Right? Like, so you're in college right now, Malika? No, I'm done. Oh, you're done. And what are you doing for work? Well, right now I'm an early childhood educator. Okay. Um, and what was your major? That was my major. That was your major. Why did yeah. you choose that? Because I, I have experience. Because you like children. Why, why did you choose it? Well, I wanted, I like to teach. Okay. You like to I teach. Wanted, yeah. Okay, are you going to be a teacher? Pardon? Are you, an, are you a teacher now or are you working? East, uh, tell me what you do. I'm a preschool teacher. Or preschool teacher. Does that fall under um, TDSB or what have you? Yeah, it falls okay. under TDSB. Okay, so that is under T. Okay, excellent. And you, you plan to teach that age group? Yeah, so. from, from like preschoolers and school agers. Okay, so what's the oldest child you would teach? Well, that I've taught or... Or that you intend to teach? Well, maybe teenagers. Okay, so okay, so you want to go through elementary and get into high school scenarios and so forth. Okay, mm -hmm. that's good. Because one, one of the things I also think that we need to do is to start to you young cats and ladies have to identify careers that move the entire race forward. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, because certain like, and I don't know, I don't know how many black youth are in your classes. Okay, where are you teaching? In Burlington. Okay, and is that because you live there? No, <laughs> I'm in Etobicoke, but I work in Burlington. Okay, and, and that's because what? That's the only place you could find placement? Well, it's better, better job, better paying. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay interesting. All right, so, so what I would say to you, and this is what I, I'm just focusing on that being part, okay? Mm -hmm. So... If you believe yourself to be, or know yourself to be, not even believe, know yourself to be an excellent educator, right? Mm -hmm. Find a way to educate uh, either in addition to or instead of who you're educating, right? Mm -hmm. Add black children into your social, your, your, your educational circle. So even if that's, um, you start a Saturday school in your basement, I don't care what it is, right? But mm -hmm. do something that moves the black race forward beyond yeah. yourself. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, I could talk to you about that on a business level. I told Pars the same thing about chess. Like we can't just play chess. Yeah, You got to move the black race forward because a, a black youth that has chess on their, on their um, academic or business, um, um, yeah, let's call it the academic the resume, background. The resume, academic, you mean? The resume. Or, res, or resume, depending on the age yeah. of the person. Resume, academic records, whatever, is going to get a different look and when I say a different look, not necessarily a better look, but a different look minimally than one who doesn't have chess on there. Because chess is one of the indoctrinated things that's aligned with intelligence. That's you see what so, so that is being. You get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm trying, to, mm -hmm. I'm trying to make sure I crystallize mm -hmm. it. We can't just do. We got to do more. Yes. You see what I'm saying? I say, and the more has to be for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You understand? Being a great teacher in Burlington, all the respect in the world, great salary, pension, yada, yada, yada. But that's, that's survival. That's not thrival. Mm -hmm. Thrival is when you people can say, okay, I met a woman named Malika and I know she made the black race better. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, being on this, being on this podcast is, is part of that too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like your 10,000 hours is not, if you, if you want to be making it to the NBA, your 10,000 hours isn't just shooting hoops, right? It's doing well in the classroom. It's being a good student, a good son or daughter to your parents. It's being respectful in your community. It's, it's giving back to your community. It, it's a bunch of things that add up to becoming, mm -hmm. right? Right. Which again, human, so there's human being and there's human becoming. Because mm -hmm. right? oh, we're not, we're not the other big word here, folks, is readiness. As readiness. I said, are we actually look at equality, for instance? We might mm -hmm. feel in our hearts, I'm equal to every white person on this planet, but are we as a collective ready for equality? If they, they say in America that um 18 trillion dollars is the monetary value of reparation. That excludes things like education, healthcare, and that's a bunch of other money. But cash, in terms of the cash contribution of slavery to the American economy, they're saying it's $18 trillion. So if they wrote a check for $18 trillion on tomorrow, right? Are we ready for that check? When I say ready, using it effectively, getting ourselves out of impoverished circumstances, mental impoverishment, mental slavery, actual impoverishment, impoverishment, and and an actual slavery. Are we actually are we actually ready? You guys probably saw that viral video of the cat who he walked up to a um uh, drive through. He had three stacks, um, uh, three three bands of of um of ten thousand dollars each, and he he gave them to the three black. It was in the South uh, Atlanta somewhere, and he gave it to three of the clerks at the McDonald's. It looked like a McDonald's. I can't remember which fast food spot it was, and. The one, the one, there was two women and one man. And the man, when he got the ten thousand dollars from from the guy outside, he said, "Now I can buy all the cigarettes I want." Right. Mm. So think about that statement relative to the eighteen trillion. How many would fall into the category of the guy who said, "Now I can buy all the cigarettes I want"? I think it's too many. I don't think a lot of people are ready mentally. Exactly. I don't mean, like. I'm talking about that money. I'm talking about reparations. I'm talking about true equality and what that means. Yeah, I don't think we're ready as a people. Some of us are ready. I know I'm ready, right? Ready. Uh, you know, but I can't speak for the youth I work with. Many of them are not ready for that. And if they're not ready, it's, it's generally speaking, the parents aren't either. Generally speaking. And generally speaking, if the parents aren't ready, the grandparents probably aren't either. No, but you know why? And I'm maybe this is me theorizing and this is a conversation I had a long time um, I think it's because they're not okay with themselves. That's like right. they're still comparing themselves to somebody else. That's what and I'm trying to say. That's what black pride. And, yeah. And yeah. because they're and, like, and I'm saying this on a basic human level. If you are constantly comparing yourself to another person on things you absolutely have no control over, yep. you will never be Successful, you will never, never fulfill free. your potential. You'll never fulfill your potential doing that, right? Black pride, and I want to qualify because people would misinterpret what I'm saying quite easily. It's, it's it, these are these are very great great topics in a way. But I'm what I'm saying is not to. I'm not saying we don't focus on black pride. I'm saying black pride should be our default position. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, mm-hmm. if you look, use basketball as a great example. I love using sports as an analogy because mm-hmm. the default understanding as a basketball player is I got to play hard defense. You know, you should have to be coached to, to figure out I need to play hard defense. You need to learn how to play defense, but not to understand that you have to play it. Mm-hmm. The understanding is the default. So black pride should be our default positioning, just like brushing our teeth or showering or, or you know what I'm saying? It just should be just like, because I've never heard a person say white pride, white pride. They say it in the mm-hmm. face of they say it in the face of adversity when stuff mm-hmm. is like Black Lives Matter is around. But once if we look at are you guys all in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're all in okay. Toronto. So, yes, so Toronto has Toronto GTA has just approaching around five million people. Let's mm-hmm. assume let's assume two million of those are white people. How many times do you think the phrase white pride was said in all the homes this weekend of, of the two million people? Probably zero. <laughs> Yeah, probably not, because there's not because it's default position. It's their the default position, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. I would never bash on anybody for being proud of what they are. But I'm no, saying, no, no. as black it's, people during Black History Month, we need to really think about it. And we're like, okay, how do I advance my like life? what you want to say? Or like a white girl calling herself a queen, you know, like I'm a yeah. white queen compared to a black girl calling herself. I'm a black queen. That shouldn't yeah. be something we should say all the time. We should just be it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what Malika, you're getting exactly what I'm saying. Exactly and that's what, what I've I'm been thinking of before too. Cause like, Good. I always thought like that. I'm like, okay, I always hear about, you know, black women. Like we're, it's like we're forcing this stuff. When yeah. we should already be it. That's you know, exactly we're forcing it. men to love us. We're forcing our beauty, you know, like I'm a black queen. Like I already know I'm a queen. I don't need to, Way I don't need to caption it. Like I don't need to live by I'm, it because I am it. You yeah, know. And I'm gonna. White girl were to say I have white friends, so if one of the white girls were to say I'm a black queen, people would look at her like, oh no, I'm a, here's a black. Like you know, it's just like it doesn't make sense. So like I totally get what you're saying. Like, I'm I'm gonna say it's weird because my coach said this when I was very young, and this is probably why. And Ryan and Parson, I, I think I've talked about this on the show, but like because of the way I move and because of the way I talk and because of how I dress and whatever, even from a young age, I was never like stereotypically like white people or black people would be like, you're not black enough or whatever. And then I would just not care when they say that because I was like, I'm teaching you a different way to be black. Being black mm-hmm. is not one way. Mm-hmm. And um, because my coach, told me, and I think I was like 13, 9, 14, I think I was talking the junk to somebody, like, yo, I'm going to win, no, 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 And my coach said, winners don't need to tell them, tell people they're winning. Exactly. If you are, if you are who you say you are, your work will show. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and, and that, that always puts me in, in a bit of a precarious situation because with, work with young people, you know, inspiration comes from information as well, right? So, you know, I, you know, if you look at how we started the show, it was, you know, when Ryan um, paid homage to the existence of flow, um, like for me, I live with that. That's that's part of who I am. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's part of it's part of my it's, it's my business DNA, if you will, right? 
um, but it's important for the young people who don't know to know. So, because again, over here, the need for that inspiration and seeing another, a black, seeing a black person achieve different various things is is almost like the same, like what Malika said, the need to say black pride. Like if I'm in Lagos, right? Nobody says, I want to be a black doctor. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? You're just yeah. a doctor. You're a doctor. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't have any, it doesn't have any relevance. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many black doctors in Lagos, like in Lagos, like I mean in Nigeria overall, or the continent overall, depending on where you go, that it's it's just a thing. And you do it, and you do it, you do it, and you know, the, the, you might get individual pride from passing your MCAT or whatever the qualifications are. Um, to become a, a medical practitioner. But at the end of the day, we have to normalize our, our that's what I'm saying, Res resilience is too, it's distracting, right? Mm -hmm. I really feel like we have to normalize being. Yeah, exactly, bro, and, exactly. And, and I will, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this and just to like show like the difference. If an Indian or an Asian person says, I'm gonna be a, a Indian or a, or a Chinese doctor or pharmacist or business person we're not even going to think of that as exactly. being exactly but like when it's black automatically it's a thing you got to normalize it mm -hmm. we, like and i think that's where and that's where i am personally like i even said just because i'm working and i'm pushing towards stuff in finance i was just like one of the reasons why is because i want to educate our people not just about finance but and young kids it's like for them to see somebody reach a high level in those areas where there's not that many black faces will mean something. Because yeah. they'll be like, oh, I can do this. Cause I said, and it's weird. I was telling this to my dad and Ryan, Ryan knows cause he's my brother. But I was, since I was 16, 17, I always had an effort econ stuff and, right. and just like, but like I knew nobody in that space. Not only that, I just knew nobody in that space, never mind a black person. So then, for them to properly orient me to where I needed to go took longer. Mm -hmm. But like, if you already see somebody, you like I even said, if I knew somebody who was really in finance deep in the, in, in the area I like to specialize in, then that maybe cuts my time in half. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is exactly yeah. where I think I want to like uh, leave it off at. I mean, as we wrap up, I think the message has been more than clear, but for those of you who are, who are, you know, just to wrap it up, say this, look, you got to stop looking at yourself as black and the end of your, you know, denomination. You are a denomination. You are an individual. What mm -hmm. are you going to do with your time? How are you going to be on this earth? What are you going to be remembered for? Yeah. And it's like, yourself through that. Well, you think about it, like Barack Obama is obviously a great example. People refer to him as a black president, but he was a president that happened to be black. Talk about mm, There's a big difference, right? And you know, people. Some people say he didn't do enough for black people, and this and the other. But the, you have to understand the role first and foremost before you make comments like that. But the key is, right? Oh, flex! I say that to people all the time. I yeah. You've well, been Clay's been saying it on the show since we started the show. How much <laughs> people don't understand what it means to be the president of the United States. But yeah. he digresses. I digress. Please continue with your point. Yeah, no, it's all good. But yeah, you know, so so I, I agree. Like, let's just be to Malika's point. Let's let's just um, look at our, as you said, our end denomination and focus on on on, you know, dominating literally, right? Mm -hmm. um, ourselves, making sure that we're in control of ourselves. We're making conscious choices. 
um, you know, I'd love to come back and share more of the, the sort of programming stuff that I do with you guys at some point. But, um, you know, there, there are ways to, to make these things happen. You know, we have, we, my business partner, Roderick and I, we focus on the betterment and the well, the fulfillment of potential because the definition of, a great, of greatness is strictly the fulfillment of your own potential. That's what greatness mm -hmm. is. When Nelson Mandela um, passed away, like if you did a survey and say, how many people think Nelson Mandela was a great man? Everybody would raise their hand, right? But, but to him, you know what his goal was, right? His goal was to be the light heavyweight boxing champion of the world. So he might have been in his deathbed saying, I didn't do it. Mm. All the greatness that we received vicariously through his efforts as black people, right? That wasn't his primary objective as a, in terms of his passion. Mm -hmm. His primary object objective was to be the light heavyweight boxing champion of the world, right? So you have to, again, greatness is the fulfillment of one's own potential, not just the potential other people see in them. Because what other people see in them is what other people observe from the external. But the internal, right, is if that matches the external, that's even better, right? But the, that's why you see, like, you know, Kobe rests his soul and you see LeBron now and, and, and the various people who have achieved in their particular industries, they start to bring, do, start to do other things besides what they got, them, what, what their primary um, competency, right? Like, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce, like building schools and do all the, these are the things that, that they want to, they want to have something more than just what the default thing has become for them. For Jay-Z, rapping, rapping was default. He was good at it. He made a lot of money at it. He has great business mind, et cetera. But now he's doing other things. He's building schools, build, buying up theaters, abandoned theaters in black communities, et cetera, et cetera. You know? So we have to look at people holistically from their lens, mm -hmm. not apply stuff to them all the time. Black, oh, you're a black president, Barack. You're a black president. Yo, he's just a president happens to be black. Mm -hmm. That's very, very well said. As we go in, uh, Ryan, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, just in the words, if you guys want to share just some wrapping up thoughts before we uh, end the show off today. Uh, final, any words? Final thoughts coming from me. Do not forget to like, share, and subscribe to this amazing show to Black Jai Pack. I'd like to thank everybody that came on, playing Malika, Paris, the iconic Riley Flex. Um, everybody that came on, big thank you. Don't forget to go look at Get Real School program. It's on Facebook. You can really find anywhere all of uh, Mr. Farley's projects, he's got a lot of stuff that are actually going on. So Say it loud is a big part of that. Say it loud is a very big part of that. Please yeah, yeah, please yeah I want to put the word out there too. We're looking for mentors, right? We're looking for mentors. Uh, we've uh, and um, Actually, we're more so looking for mentees, believe it or not. We've got an abundance of mentors willing to help Black youth fulfill their uh, brilliance in technology, entrepreneurship, social innovation, literary, culinary, visual, fashion, and performance arts. But we're short on, on mentees, young people who can recognize the value of mentorship. So, so if you guys can help get the word out on that, that'll be fantastic. And, um, you know, my final parting words, I guess you could say, are that, you know, that, that human being, if, he, if you're not being active, you're not being human. Mm. That's, that's a major quote right there. Um, Malika, any final thoughts from you? Um, honestly, I'm speechless because I learned a lot tonight. And thank mm -hmm. you, Lee, for everything and all your knowledge. Thank One you. thing well, I'm going to say, I remember that Malcolm X quote education is a passport to the future that's right that's a final thought i'm gonna in input but like if we played one-on-one -on -one, who would win you and me <laughs> um, go, go, go. 
I don't know. I'm 58. I'm 58. Oh, God. If that, if that helps your confidence. Are you a shooter? Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of a balance player, though. I was like a two guard. So Ooh, it'll be a game. It'll All be right. a game. I'm betting on Malika. I'm, not I'm even... sorry, Friday. I'm sorry, Friday, but I gotta bet on Malika. She's just too good. That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. You seen the video? She's being modest. Where did you go to college? Where did you go to college? Where did you go to college? I went to George Brown. Oh, okay. And I, and I went to Eastern for high school. Oh, Eastern, good, good, good school, mm-hmm. good ball school. Mm-hmm. All right, play. What's your final thought? Um, normalize and realize being. Mm-hmm. Good, beautiful. Right, so. Normalize and realize who you are as a human being. I think that's the most important part before we even get down to to anything else. And I think that's probably what our race is lacking the most. Mm-hmm. We, I, I think we have too many unrealized people who are trying to realize things, but they themselves aren't there. Ready. Readiness mm-hmm. is the key. Mm-hmm. Readiness is absolutely the key. Thank you again, everybody that came onto the show today. It's been definitely an honor that you play again, parts again, Malika again, Mr. Folly Flex, the icon again. This is your boy, the Rated R. Thank you for coming to the Black Backpack. We'll see you guys next time when the Aces come back. Peace.